Welcome to the How to Love Yourself No Matter What podcast. My name is Amanda Hess, and I am a certified life coach. If you are like me, you know that self-love is important. But did you know that it's the number one thing missing when it comes to creating a life you love? Listen in, friend. I'm going to share all my secrets because you deserve to love yourself starting now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am so excited because today I have a very special guest. I have my former client, Robin, here on the podcast with us. And I worked with Robin for six months. We had, you know, good times, hard times, and all the in-between times. And I just like loved watching Robin's journey through coaching and the successes that she had. And I just thought that it would be really amazing for you to hear what she has to say and about what she's made possible in her own life. So welcome, Robin. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. I have not seen you since we finished coaching. So we were kind of chatting at the beginning, which is so fun. Yeah. I miss having our weekly chats, actually. I know. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It becomes such a personal relationship when we're coaching. And then it's, you know, you see somebody every day of the, like every week. And then all of a sudden you don't see them anymore. And you're just off on your own doing your own thing, which I think is amazing. So I'm so glad that you're here because I think that your story is quite inspiring. And I think that it would help a lot of the women that are listening to hear what you went through and where you were at and where you are right now. So maybe we can just start with why did you decide to explore coaching? Yeah, I think that really what made me more drawn towards coaching when we first started was, you know, I knew I was really struggling with sort of just the structure of my life in general. I knew that I wasn't happy, but I couldn't figure out how to be happy and what I needed to change. And for me, you know, obviously I think a lot of times people think of therapy or going to counseling and it didn't feel like that to me. I didn't feel like, Oh, I've got this big, you know, massive traumatic event from my past that I haven't dealt with. It felt more like, I don't know how to manage right now. And I don't know how to sort of plan for what I want and how to sort of improve what I want going forward and how to really know what that is. So for me, it felt more like coaching addressed that in more of a sort of future planning, obviously still, you know, addressing some things that had happened, you know, in the past, like, you know, I had some changes in my life recently. So you know, we did talk about those things, but it felt more like planning and tools for my future versus like delving really deep into like old things, um, which is really what interested me with coaching. Yeah. I like that you say that because I think that that is the quintessential difference between Mm. coaching and therapy. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's important to know that because if you have heavy trauma in your past and things that have happened to you and you haven't dealt with that, then therapy may be what you need to look at to be able to unpack and uncover that. But if you're experiencing things in your life right now, and you just want to be able to sort of deal with the here and now, and then move forward, then coaching is generally 
not going to say for everybody. And I don't know yeah. all the therapists out there, but <laughs> I think that in general, it's a, it's sometimes a better fit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought exactly that just more of a sort of planning for the future, figuring out, you know, your tools and your strengths and getting to know yourself kind of more now <clears throat> was really valuable to me. Yeah. That's so good. I'm so glad to hear that. So tell me about making the investment. Cause I know that that was challenging for you. <laughs> yes, it was. It was super challenging. Cause one of the things that I really struggled with was spending money, you know, guilt in spending money, feeling like I should be saving it or I should, you know, it's not fair for me to spend that money because what about my husband and you know, what is he, it's his money too. And, and, you know, it, it felt like a lot at the time. And I think really what it came down to is it was like, am I going to keep feeling stuck the way I feel stuck? You know, I've read all the books, I've listened to all the podcasts, I've, you know, done more exercise, I drank more water, I sleep, you know, like I did everything that to sort of even out my moods and things like that. And it just wasn't getting anywhere. And and this had been a cycle for me for years and years and years in my life that had been sort of, you know, something would change and I'd get kind of reinvigorated and excited and I'd feel really good and happy. And then it would just get stale again. And it just kept happening over and over and over. And I was really stuck in a deep rut this time. And um, I think it just kind of came down to, you know, is it, it's hard to spend the money, but am I worth anything to myself really at, at that point? And, you know, is it, is it worth not spending it to just keep doing the same thing that I've been doing over and over and not getting anywhere? Like, what is that money going to, what would be better about having that money than improving myself? Right. So I think in the end, once I spent it and once the decision was made, and I remember like that was really when you started coaching me before we even started. Cause you told me, you know, you're, cause we spoke and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm going to do it. And then you were like, you just have to make sure like your brain is going to tell you that this isn't okay. And you're going to freak out. And, and exactly what you said was going to happen, happened. <laughs> and I did freak out, but you kind of helped me through that just to even make the initial decision. And once I did it, I, you know, I just felt it made a huge difference in my life. And looking back now, there is nothing that would have been more worth, you know, or more valuable with the money that I spent on coaching. Absolutely nothing. It was like completely priceless where it got me and, and what it's added to my life. So it was definitely worthwhile. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you share that because I do think, you know, I myself have spent a lot of money on coaching. That's a lot, but it is <laughs> yeah. kind of true in my brain. And, um, you know, I think there's a leap of faith that takes mm -hmm. place when that money changes hands. You're hoping that ultimately this choice that you've made is going to create the result that you want, which is yeah. to feel better, mm -hmm. you know, in the mm -hmm. end, it's like, I just want to feel better. And yeah. I think a lot of times we'll spend money on a lot of crazy things. Like we'll spend money on handbags and we'll spend money on vacations mm -hmm. and we'll spend money on a new car. Yeah. But as women, we really don't think about just spending money on our brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I think, it, and I think a lot of people, especially women get guilt. I mean, at least from what I think or see of spending money 
especially if maybe you don't have a lot of money extra at the time or whatever. And, and if your finances are combined, like mine and my husband, as you know, we have all of our finances together. So it doesn't feel like it's my money. It feels like it's our money, but I think of it as his money. Mm-hmm. Not that it's his, but I just think if I'm spending it, I'm like, well, I'm spending his money as well. And, and then I get, I have guilt or had guilt with that, you know, that what if, like, like you said, what if it doesn't work or what if I don't get anywhere, but you know, really what it came down to deciding is that I was going to commit to it. And I was going to fully believe that I would get somewhere and that I could, and I was going to put the time into it. You know, like we had our calls every week and then every weekend I would I would rewatch our calls and and write notes and we would use our Trello board. And, you know, I really committed the time to it. And, and I think, you know, if you're not going to put anything into it, you might not get anything out of it. But if you're at the point where you're looking for coaching, you, you, you would think you're at the point where you're willing to put some time into it. Right. And that you're there for a reason. So. Yeah. It's one of the things I really loved about working with you is how committed you were and how present you were and how willing you were to implement what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. There's some things that we, you know, some were more easy than others. Some were, you know, added a lot of anxiety initially when you were bringing them up, like, Oh, I don't, I don't think I can do that. I don't know how that'll work. But, you know, again, it's like, what's, what's going to happen from trying something different, you know, outside of your comfort zone, or maybe outside of your regular routine, like there's nothing saying if it, if you try it and it doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that you failed or that there's something wrong, or it just means, okay, well, that was a different idea. And maybe I try it this way, or maybe, you know, it just goes back to like you always said, just being really curious about it and really kind of stepping back from the way you're feeling or the way you're thinking and being curious of like, well, what's making me feel like that today? Or, you know, what's making this happen or or what's causing, you know, this emotion instead of being so judgmental of yourself. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to touch on because we are so judgmental. It is how our brains work. So it's Mm -hmm. not like, I think sometimes we go into our lives and we start doing this work and we read the books. And so we have an awareness that our thoughts are instrumental in creating our reality. We know this. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think there's like this huge push for positive thinking. But the problem is, is that we never really give ourselves the time to feel what we're actually feeling and give ourselves permission to be where we're actually at and take some time instead of saying it's good or it's bad, like this is a good thought and this is a bad thought, more so being like, I wonder why I'm having that thought. Mm -hmm. What is that creating for me? And do I like it? Yeah. And I think that was a huge, huge thing that I learned from you is that exact premise that because I was really stuck in thinking I had to be positive, I had to be happy. If I wasn't feeling, you know, happy or engaged at work or with, you know, whatever it was that I needed to just, you know, write down everything that was positive about the day and find all the good things and just focus on that. And I mean, there is benefit to that too. Obviously, you don't want to dwell in negativity. But I think what you really taught me is that if you're feeling sad or 
tired or, you know, down or whatever you're feeling, just telling yourself, oh, no, I need to be positive isn't going to make that feeling go away. You know, you always say it's 50% good and 50% bad or 50% positive and 50% negative. You're not going to be happy all the time. And for some reason, I never seem to have known that before. <laughs> like, <laughs> or it was like, I know I'm not happy all the time, but I feel like I should be trying to make myself be happy all the time. So you're just, instead of actually being happy, you're just spending 95% of your time convincing yourself that you are happy yeah. when you're really not. That's so good. And I just really appreciate you saying that because I think that that is something that everyone can resonate with those times in our life when we're like, you know, faking it Mm -hmm. and yet we feel kind of numb and there's just this emptiness that starts to take over. And then we feel so lost because we don't know, we don't know how to be vulnerable with ourselves, let alone with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, for sure. And yeah, I just think, like I said, you don't want to obviously dwell in the negativity. That's not going to help, but you have to acknowledge that it's there. And again, be curious about why it's there and how can you affect, how can you affect that feeling? Or sometimes you just, you just feel that and it's just accepting. Yeah. I feel kind of crappy right now. And maybe it's for a couple of days or whatever, and I'm not, you know, in the best mood and you do the things that, you know, are nurturing for yourself to try and improve that, but you don't judge yourself for feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so huge. I mean, if you think about like if you wake up in the morning and you feel sick, you're not sitting there going, I shouldn't feel sick. I can't believe I'm sick. There's something wrong with me for being sick. You're just like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm sick. So I'm going to take care of myself today. Mm -hmm. But then we wake up feeling anxious or we wake up feeling kind of depressed. And then we're like, well, I can't feel this way. This isn't totally wrong. I shouldn't feel this way. And then, you know, it just gets us trapped in this cycle of not even being able to feel how we're actually feeling. Yeah. And what I think is so important about that is it blocks you then from being able to feel the good emotions too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're just kind of numbing everything out. Right. So if you're not willing to feel what's negative, then you're not going to feel what's positive either. Cause you're just nothing. You're a blob. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that really hits home for me. I just even remember when I had my second son and Um, I had been diagnosed with postpartum depression and just that numbness and just feeling so stuck in that, like I was moving Mm -hmm. in slow motion through my life. Mm -hmm. And really and truly, it was because I'd never really given myself permission to maybe not be that thrilled that I had had a C-section and then it got infected and then I had mastitis and I had a newborn and a preschooler. And actually that's kind of hard. And I think that, you know, even if you haven't had that experience, we all have experiences that we go through our life. And I think for you, you know, one of the big things was you had decided to give up riding, but that Mm -hmm. that was still a loss for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that was a huge part of your life. Yeah. You know, your horseback riding, because I'm sure that people might not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And then you decided that that was not something that you wanted to spend your money on anymore. And it wasn't mm-hmm. something that you felt was really adding to your life in the way that you wanted it to. So you had been able to make the decision to stop, mm-hmm. but then you never gave your perso- you never gave yourself permission to grieve. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, that was, that was another thing that was eye opening because I didn't, I never really thought about like 
grieving that. Like I thought, oh yeah, like I'll be, I'll be sad and I'll miss it. But I never really thought of it being as like a grief process, but it really was because, you know, like you said, that was like 15 years of my life that that was what I did, you know, three to six times a week with all my friends. And, you know, it was like your whole, it was like, it was my sport. It was my life. It was like my, it felt like my identity. So then, you know, when it was time to kind of move away from that, and I knew it was the right decision to do that. It was just not really dealing with the negative emotion of it and just kind of being like, oh yeah, whatever. And just kind of not even thinking about it. I kind of wouldn't let myself think about it. Mm -hmm. And then I think that sort of transitioned into, you know, my work and my career, which was a big struggle in just that I didn't feel fulfilled in that. And, and I kind of was just sort of got lost. Like I felt like I had no identity to myself because I wasn't doing my sport that I always really worked on. And I wasn't really feeling happy and fulfilled at my work. And I was kind of just nothing. I just felt like there was, I was in the middle of nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really remember that when we first started, you know, coaching and just even noticing how the emotion was always like right there at the surface. Like you can see that it was like you were hurting and you were just pushing that hurt away. Yeah. I know you would be like, oh, well, I think we should talk about riding. And I'd be like, mm, okay. I'm just like burst out crying. <laughs> I'm like, I was fine two seconds ago. Oh man. But yeah, no, it, de- it definitely was just really raw. And, and just like you said, allowing myself to, to have emotions and to be okay. And to know that just because I think what I didn't get with it is because I thought if I'm sad and I'm grieving this, then I'm going to regret the decision I made, or it's going to mean I made the wrong decision. And I changed all these things and I sold my horse and what am I going to do? And it was like this panic invoking thing. And I think it was realizing that it's okay to be sad and to grieve and have a hard time with the decision, but still have it be the right decision. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I think once I sort of acknowledged that and understood that I was a lot more comfortable, you know, with the fact that, yeah, it is hard and I am sad and I do miss riding and, you know, I still do, but it's still right for me to not be doing it right now. Yeah. That's, that's just the most beautiful thing because that is going to repeat in so many areas of your life as you move through it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about, even I think about people that are listening right now, if you're, you know, getting a divorce, this Mm -hmm. is applicable. You know, you can decide to end a relationship and still be sad about it. Yeah. And if you decide to leave a job, you can still be sad about it. And if your kids grow up and move out and you become an empty nester, of course, you're going to be grieving. And, you know, grief is a very complex emotion as they all are, but ultimately what it really is, is just a vibration in your body. It's just something that you actually physically feel. Yeah. And so I think that once we're willing to open our eyes and look at it, then we see it for what it is, because I just so vividly remember having that conversation with you and asking mm-hmm. you, but do you want to start riding again? And you were so clear that the answer yeah. was no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I knew I made the decision for the reasons that I made it for. I was comfortable with those reasons. And I knew that, again, they were the right choices for me 
right now. It doesn't mean forever mm-hmm. because I do hope I go back to it one day, but for now it's not having that part of my life has opened up time and finances and energy for so many other things that were always kind of on the side because I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't do both with riding and I didn't want to do riding in a, in a half measure the way from what I had been doing it. So yeah, I think it was, it was acknowledging that I can be comfortable with the decision and the choices and the reason that I made it and still miss it and still be, you know, sad and that that doesn't mean that I've made a mistake and and it doesn't have to start this whole spiral thinking of anxiety of like oh my god what did I do and what's going to happen and uh, you know it it just it can be both yeah yeah it can be both i think it's like knowing there can be a duality there you know yeah. i think that we think that the way that life should work is that we only can think one thing and we can only feel one thing yeah that's not true. <laughs> I know. Like I, and I think I really struggled with that too, of like really black and white, right and wrong. And <laughs> I I hear you in my head all the time. And I always hear you saying, well, there's a lot of gray there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? I didn't see any of that. Like I just saw like complete, you know, just one side and the other. And it was like, and that adds a lot of stress when you're trying to figure out, you know, what you like or what you want and decisions that you're making when you, when you're so hard on yourself, that it's just completely right or wrong. That doesn't leave a lot of room for just, you know, life. Like life doesn't just happen that way in completely one box or the other. Yeah. That's so true. Right. Because a lot of things are happening at one time. And when we're coaching, we break it down and we get very singular about like one particular issue so that we can really take a look around and see what's really happening so that we can get really clear on this one thing. But the Mm -hmm. reality is that there's many, many other things that are happening at the same time. And I think that even when you consider we have billions of thoughts every day, yeah, billions, and then we just don't necessarily listen to all of them. And we can also just feel what we're feeling and think what we're thinking and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just to go along with it and yeah, this doesn't have to be so concrete one or the other. Cause that was for me, I really struggled with anxiety and circle thinking through sort of any, any decision, anything I was thinking about. And that was really a big part of what was causing it is, well, what's right and what's wrong. And if I think this, then it, is that going to be right? And well, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. What if this, and like, I wanted to know the answer to everything Mm. and really go down that rabbit hole to feel like if I was making the decision, I was making the right decision. And I think what it's really come down to is like, you know, I mean, there is a, there can be a right decision, but it's not necessarily just right or wrong. It's right for right now. Mm -hmm. And then you, you make that decision and then you reevaluate. And, you know, like you said, like what, what can make this easier? Like what little steps can make this easier? So maybe it's a bunch of little tiny decisions instead of one big decision or the analogy you use that really spoke to me was, you know, you're walking on a pathway and you like this pathway, but you know, it looks really nice. And then maybe you realize it's a little too hot because it's really sunny and, and you're, you get too hot and you get sunburned or whatever. So 
you're going to switch and then you go down another pathway and then maybe it's in the trees. So it's not as hot, but it's kind of rainy and you don't really like that. So it's like, you know, you kind of go down a route and then you establish what's happening then and there. And then maybe things change from that. And it's not such a final kind of like hitting a brick wall decision. And that really changed things for me because for whatever reason, every decision to me before was like a brick wall decision. It was like, it has to be one decision. You make it one time. It's the right one. You do that and that's it. And that just was not working. Yeah. Well, because it paralyzes you because if you think that there's only one decision and one's right and one's wrong, then what you end up doing is making no decisions. And it's even noticing that not deciding is deciding. Right. Yeah, for sure. And and just for me, the no decision just ended up being like a I would just get stuck in this like tick, 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 tick. Like it's I couldn't make the decision, but all I could think about was making the decision. Yeah. So it was all consuming and extremely, you know, anxiety inducing because it was just any spare second that I wasn't focused on something else or or you know, watching TV or scrolling my phone or reading a book to kind of take my brain off of it. It was like all I could think about was like. Of this one decision, mm-hmm. whatever the decision was, it could be anything, it could be something so small, but it was always stuck on things like that. And honestly, since we've worked together, I haven't had that once. And I've had that my whole life. You know, I'm only 30, oh but I've had that my whole life. And I <laughs> <laughs> haven't had it once since we start, you know, so it made a huge difference. Oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah. Like you have too. no idea. I just think that's <laughs> So amazing that you have done that for yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you did that. Yeah. You like decided I'm going to start looking at what's going on here. You decided I'm going to start changing how I think about this. You decided I'm going to sit with my feelings and learn how to do that. Yeah. And I know that yeah. that was challenging too, right? Like actually mm-hmm. allowing the feelings that you were having and sitting with emotion. Yeah. And allowing that to be, I think a lot of people are really afraid of that. I even have, Mm. like, it's always interesting when I take on a new client because you all move down different paths in your different ways, but there's certain things that are common. And Mm. one of the first things is when we start talking about sitting with the feeling yeah, and how terrifying that is at the beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, because it's just so uncomfortable, right? And I think, again, because... I think a lot of people, myself included, are just so convinced again about just being positive all the time and finding the good in things. And so, you know, you're just kind of structured yourself to feel something bad and then just shove it down and, and turn it into something good. So we for for me, I never really allowed myself to sit or feel a negative emotion and just be okay with it. And I think part of me thought that that, again, that that was good and that I was being positive, but it's like, that's not going to improve anything really long-term if you can't acknowledge how you're really feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's not comfortable. It's not fun, but it, you know, it's worth it in the long run. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Like for me, it, it kind of just ended up being, you know, just even just acknowledging that it's there. Like, oh, I feel anxious right now. Or I'm, you know, not having a very good day. And, you know, it was a lot of journaling. It was a lot of models. It was, you know, sitting there and just saying, you know, like you always talk through feelings, like, how does it feel? And I think that was a big thing too. Like just 
focusing on where you feel it in your body and, you know, the color of it and the shape and kind of just making it more of a visual um, process versus just a emotional process. Some, for some reason, just kind of takes the edge off of a lot of things because you kind of have just like felt every corner of it when you make it a visual thing and then it's not as scary. Well, that's just it, right? Because once you realize that all a feeling actually is, is a feeling in your body, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have any power over you after that. Because if you're willing to feel it, what ends up happening is you're like, it's not that bad. Like, it's not that great. Yeah. But yeah, you're not going to die. Yeah. It's (laughs) legitimately not going to hurt you. Like, it's just a feeling. It's just a sensation. And then what you realize is that once you allow it, like if you go all the way there, you realize I can feel anything and I'm good. I'm Mm -hmm. so safe right now. Yeah. Yeah. It just really builds confidence in yourself and how you can, you know, take care of yourself and have your own back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Having your own back is so huge. And I think Mm -hmm. that... It's something that is learned. I think it's also a discipline to say, I'm going to have my own back no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And just really believing in that and believing in yourself and that, you know, you always say you have to take you with you, right? So you have to really enjoy you and believe in yourself and, you know, what you can accomplish and just know that not everything is maybe always going to work out or be easy or be exactly how you thought it was going to be, but that that'll be okay because you'll figure out how to manage whatever comes up. Right. Yeah. And that kind of, for me, took a lot of fear again, out of decision-making because believing that will, you know, I'm again, I'm making the decision now that I'm making based on these factors and for these reasons, and I'm going to give it a try and see what happens. And if it doesn't end up working out how I wanted it to, that doesn't mean I failed. That doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It just means it maybe wasn't exactly what I thought. And so then I'll reassess and try something else. Like it, it doesn't have to just be so, you know, black and white again. I'll say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just learning to work with your brain instead of against your brain. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like we get in tug of wars with ourselves, And then once we start tugging, like once we start really pulling, it pulls back and it Mm -hmm. just creates a lot of anxiety. Yeah, for sure. So tell me like going through that experience and, and creating that for yourself, then how did that impact your life? Like what are you doing now that you weren't doing before? Well, I think it is, it's just so many things. I just feel like it was everything. Like I, I feel like really the decision-making process has really improved for me, which has really lessened a lot of anxiety. And that's just come with that belief and trust in myself that I can manage, you know, I can do hard things and I know what I want and, you know, I can create what I want and, you know, taking away a lot of the anxiety I had about spending money, you know, like I, I have enough and I'm in control and that I deserve to enjoy things with my money as well. And doesn't just have to all be like saved for some, you know, no reason. <laughs> um, you don't have to save every dollar you own. 
And I think just, yeah, just believing that you can create really what you want. And I think that really came true for me. Like, you know, you know, throughout our coaching, I was really struggling with work and, and we talked a lot about that and really, you know, leaned into, like you said, you know, your future self and how that person would be living and acting and what, you know, would be happening for them. And I did create and get the job that was exactly what I wanted it to be, you know, in literally everything. And I didn't believe when we really wrote that down, I didn't believe that it existed, but you were like, no, it does. And I was like, oh, okay. And it took me a while <laughs> to really come around. Cause I'm like, I think it's too good to be true. Like, I just don't see how that could happen, you know, but then it just did. And it, it came to me because I really grew into that. And, and I think really had that belief in myself. So I think that really built through our coaching, obviously, because I never had that before. I think that's so big, though. I remember when you got that job, even. And mm-hmm. I remember also that you had, you know, attempted to apply for another job that didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. And, you know, I think the hardest thing that we ever do, besides allowing our feelings, is believing in something that we don't have evidence for. Yeah, for sure. It's hard to do that. It is not yeah. how our brain is structured. We are not naturally inclined to doing it. Yeah. But I like have so many chills even thinking about how you did that for yourself, how you grew your belief and grew your belief and grew your belief and stepped into it, even when it felt impossible, even when it felt hard, even when the doubt came up, you're like, okay, I'll just keep circling back around to this. Yeah. And then it just happened and why it happened, why it happened. And I just hope everyone listening can hear this is because you, when the belief is there, the results will show it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I just didn't believe that before. I just thought like, oh, it's just like, you know, you're writing down something that you want to happen and maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I mean, it, it does take a lot of sort of radical belief in something that that you can't see that doesn't exist. And I think for me, the hardest part was kind of being open with it, but firm with it at the same time. Like, I think I really struggled with that of like, well, this is what I say I want, but what if something comes up and it's not exactly that? Cause then I went back to, well, is that right still? <laughs> and what if it, you know, what if it doesn't happen right when I want it to, like, I, you know, I wanted to give myself like way more time to say that this is going to happen within X time frame Cause I wasn't comfortable with saying a shorter length of time because I didn't believe it was going to work. And it happened in an even shorter length of time <laughs> than I wanted to say. Right. So I think it was, it was sort of, you know, understanding that you have to believe in it and you have to have, you know, a parameter to it because you have to know what you're working towards. But again, it doesn't have to be set in stone. Something might come up that's slightly different or something might happen that's slightly different, or maybe it happens sooner. Maybe it happens a little bit later, but even if it's not exactly what you said, you know, that you can still believe in those things and, and take those things that come to you and then keep looking for the rest of it right? Like it doesn't have to be all in one package. And if it's not perfect, then you failed. I think that was a lot for me to kind of understand because that was a lot for me to sort of let go of that felt like a control of like, Oh, it has to be perfect. And once I kind of let go of that and just, you know, trusted that it would happen. 
um, it was, it was a lot easier and then it did happen. Yeah. Ah, it's so, (laughs) so good. And I think that, you know, I just remember when we first started working together and that was one of the things you used to say to me, like, I don't know what I want. Yeah. And I think that a lot of women feel that way. Yeah. And I think it's really common. And then, you know, you just were able to get to a place where you actually did know what you wanted. And I think like the one thing that I, I see in myself too, in all honesty, is I think we do know what we want. We just don't think it's possible. A hundred percent. As you were talking, that was exactly what was going through my head that through our work, I really realized I, I did know what I want. I just didn't believe that it existed. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, that doesn't, I, I would sort of just write it off like, oh, well, yeah, of course you want that, but that's not going to happen. Or, you know, that doesn't exist in the industry you work on, or, you know, you'll never make that much money. You'll never, you know, go back to writing in the way you want to, or, you know, it's just like, you just kind of write it off without ever giving yourself a chance or even trying. Right. And it's like, maybe, yeah, maybe it doesn't exist exactly how you're saying, but maybe it does. And why wouldn't you just try if that's what you, you know, if that's what you want, then why wouldn't you just try? And if it's not exactly that, then maybe it'll be something that's slightly different. And maybe that's actually better, you know, and maybe you can build towards what you want and just believing that you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's sad that people don't give themselves that opportunity. I think it's sad. I didn't, I didn't give myself that opportunity for a long time. Yeah. But what's so great is that now you do. And now like you no longer have that block in front of you. It's like actually anything's kind of possible. Yeah. And I just have to, you know, it's not, you know, I think people get confused and they think it's super woo and that like somehow the universe is aligned and there's like some magical pop and then boom, it occurs. Like it's not magic at all. It's literally just really opening yourself up to what is it that I actually really do want? And what is it that I actually do desire? And, you know, sometimes you do have to have a conversation with somebody to dig that out because you have to build the safety within yourself to be able to create that. But then once you have it, being able to commit to it, Mm -hmm. because the commitment to whatever it is that you want to create is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Yeah. Committing to that result and saying, this is what I want. And I'm committing to making it happen because of course it's the actions that you take that get you there. Yeah. But you don't know what actions you're supposed to take Yeah, because it's new. Yeah. And so you're going to take actions that are going to fail. Potentially you're going to do things that are not going to work out. You're going to do things and be like, this is not for me. Yeah. But if you can just be committed to where you want to go and just say, this is definitely going to happen, mm-hmm. you'll definitely get there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think just setting that intention. And for me, it was <clears throat> because, again, a lot of the struggle I had with anxiety with making the decisions was, you know, is it going to be right or wrong? And and kind of setting the result before making the decision kind of like reverse engineered it for me. So it was like, I knew the result I wanted, which therefore made the decisions that I had to make to get to that result a lot easier because I knew what to measure them against, Mm -hmm. which I'd never really thought of it that way before of like 
this is what I want and this is what I'm working towards and this is going to happen. So is, you know, this job that's coming up going to meet these things? Can it possibly offer me these things? And if it can't, then it's not the right thing. There was like no other question to it. Like it just made that decision a lot easier for me. And then it, it also made me feel a lot more open to exploring and just thinking like, what could bring this to me? Maybe it's not even in my industry. Maybe it's a whole, maybe it's something different. Like it just kind of made it more of like an experiment and more fun to think through that Mm. with a lot less stress because I was more thinking towards what I wanted in the end versus what might be right now. Um, And yeah. And it kind of just made it more of like a fun process. Yeah. I think that's so important to try to tap into fun when we're creating what we want to create because your your life isn't going to be any better once you have it. I think it's really important to remember that. And I think we get really lost in the weeds of that. And we really think like, but no, really, like when I have my dream job, right, I'm going to feel awesome. Yeah. It'll fix everything. Yeah. (laughs) No. It's just not true. You can feel awesome right now. And I think you're right. It's just like, this is the thing I'm going to create. I'm really excited about creating it. I know that I'm going to be able to do it. I'm just going to keep working on that. And I know it's going to happen. And I even think about like the conversations that you and I had when we were building that dream, like, what is it that you want? It was a very loose thing at the beginning. It was like, I want to have flexibility with my time. Yeah. I want to make the same amount of money that I'm making right now, or maybe more. Yeah. And it was just, there were, it wasn't this very specific roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. But that was enough for you to start really exploring it and be able to start looking and like, look at opportunities that were coming along and go, well, is this something I would like? Like, is this something that I would actually enjoy? Maybe I would like it. Who knows? I think I'll explore it some more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, just opening up things to, like you said, just look into and explore and be, you know, interested in how they may work and, and that it's okay if they're not going to work and there'll be something else. Yeah. Yeah. But I think your story is so beautiful because you really did create this job that you wanted with everything Mm -hmm. that you wanted to have in it. Mm -hmm. And then you wanted to travel and you're traveling. Yeah. (laughs) that's so great I know yeah and I'm not stressed about traveling and how much money it costs I'm not crying every time I have to book a hotel (laughs) you know (laughs) you know it's so interesting because I think so many of us do have money scarcity and we do start you know really thinking about money in a way that I have to earn it to spend it and I can't spend my husband's money and this is our money and it's responsible I have to spend it on responsible things instead of looking at money like it's a tool it's a way to be able to do things want to do and experience things that you want to experience. Yeah, for sure. And you can spend money on yourself right now. And it's so important that you actually do so. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what's the point of doing all this work? And if, if you're not going to let yourself enjoy anything, like, you know, for me, there's still, you know, there's still boundaries to it. Like, obviously it's, it still is really important to me to save and because I, I don't want to retire and not have any money. I've always had that sort of worry. So it's still important to me. And we still do focus on that a lot, but it's not, it's not that it has to be everything and that, you know, you can't enjoy anything or, or that, you know, go on a vacation and 
that, you know, you might get set back for a couple months and maybe the number in the bank account isn't what you want it to be, but you know, it'll get back up there. And, you know, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have enough and feel like they don't, that they, that they just don't, and they really do. And it's just, it's all in your mind, which is insane. So, so powerful. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people equate safety with money. And so that's Mm -hmm. when it becomes like a very challenging thing to dig yourself out of, because if you think that money makes you safe, then you're going to have a problem with money. And the thing is, is that money never does create safety. Safety is, is what exists in you. Like as long as you're bringing you with you everywhere you go, which I'm assuming Mm -hmm. you do, then you're going to be safe if you know how to create that for yourself in your own mind. Yeah. And just believe that you can deal with anything, you know, and, and really just have that trust in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that was really what developed for me through, through our coaching is just, yeah, just believing that, you know, it'll be okay. And whatever road I go down, it, either it's going to be really good, or it might not be exactly what I thought. And I'll be like, oh God, this wasn't what I was expecting or planning. And then I'll just do something else. And that that's okay. Yeah. I just love hearing you say that and just seeing your confidence and just knowing that that's something that you can carry with you all the time. Yeah. And you just have that internal place to be able to go, to be able to build that for yourself all of the time. And that's so huge. Yeah, I agree. So is there any like final parting words that you'd want to share with anybody listening that you want them to know? Um, I just think that you know, for me personally, committing to the coaching, although it felt like a big commitment at the time, both, you know, time and financially, it felt a lot for me. It felt really scary, but it really did move the needle forward in my life in all aspects and really made me feel super confident and in control and really did sort out like I said, issues that I'd been dealing with my whole life. And so I think there's a lot of value in it. And I think there's, you know, a lot of strength in giving that to yourself and, and allowing yourself to have that worth. And for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change a thing. So I, I just think it was really, really important thing. And I know it's scary, you know, to commit to it, but I think it's, it's worth it. And, and we'll get, you know, as long as you're willing to go there and do the work, it'll get you where you want to go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being vulnerable enough to share your story. I know that it can be a little nerve wracking to do that, (laughs) but I do know for a fact that this will be really, really helpful for somebody listening. So I just want to say thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for having me. I'm really uh, happy I got to join. Yeah, it was so good. Okay, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you all next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can look forward to a new episode of this podcast every week. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a favor and leave a review. When you do, it helps this podcast grow and it allows me to help more women just like you. And if you just know that you need help putting this all together, why don't you book a free consult with me? We can talk about you and what's happening in your life and put a real plan in place to manage the stress and anxiety for good. 
just head on over to amandahess.ca slash book a call to set that up.